Hello, and welcome to the Parables of Dantooine podcast. This is episode 4, and I'm your host, Mark. Today, I will continue to share my thoughts on Solo, a Star Wars story. How did the supporting cast of Kira, Tobias Beckett, Val, and Dryden Voss add to the story? And no, I did not forget about that surprising cameo at the end of the movie with Darth Maul. Plus, I speak about the Book of Sith, a new book highlighting Star Wars women, and news about a new video game. It's time to take a stroll through the plains of Dantooine and further explore those issues and ideas that I'm thinking about in this episode of the Parables of Dantooine podcast. Welcome back, and I am glad to have you along for the ride today. Before I get into the second part of my review of Solo, I just want to take a few moments to share my thoughts on the current vibe in the Star Wars community. I don't think it takes much effort to see that there is divisiveness within the Star Wars community in general. I cannot seem to remember a time that our admiration and enjoyment of the franchise has been so intertwined with actual real-life consequences. Yes, I know there was the buzz that surfaced when the special editions came out of the trilogy years ago, and yes, there was some vocal disagreement when the prequels came out as well. And maybe it was because social media had not reached its fruition yet, which might have tempered the impact. But the reality that we live in today, that reality of people on a global basis being connected through social media, such as Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or even podcasts, brings in comparisons, judgments, opinions, and ideas much more quickly and in a much more potent manner than ever before. Now, don't get me wrong. I enjoy the concept of social media. I enjoy the fact that I can have a voice literally in the mix with my podcast and my Facebook account. But I also understand that we are dealing with a double-edged sword which can have a negative impact. The fallout since December from the release of The Last Jedi right through Solo has really gone over the top in my humble opinion. And while I am very passionate about my enjoyment of Star Wars, the expanded universe, and the collectibles aspect of the franchise, I know at the end of the day that we are talking about fictional stories that are played out on the silver screens, Blu-ray players, iPods, video games, comic books, and novels. And there is no question that these play an important role in my life. The creativity and imagination that is spurred on by these movies and stories are part of what makes my life enjoyable. Just as other aspects of my life such as my family, drawing, playing guitar, going to the beach, jogging in 5k races, roller skating, and of course, podcasting, all add to what makes my life enjoyable. In a nutshell, Star Wars for me is fun. Period. If it ever got to the point that I was so incredibly miserable by the stories, then I would be hanging up the podcast microphone and would no longer be spending my time and money on the franchise. Have there been times when I have disagreed with someone regarding a story or parts of the story, or even parts of a movie? Yes. But it does not mean that I am going to get on Facebook and begin a tirade that waterfalls into incredibly hurtful statements and remarks about the staff, the crew, actors, and actresses that are actually part of the Star Wars franchise. You have every right to disagree about the stories and movies that make up the saga, and you have every right to fully disagree with anything I say on the podcast. But I think when the disagreement paves the way for such incredibly horrible statements that cross over the line of decency, and <laughs> I think we all know pretty, pretty, we all know pretty much what that means in in recent in in the recent past few weeks regarding. Uh, regarding uh, Kelly, Ma- Kelly Marie Tran. 
I, I think it's time to take a moment and see what is really happening. Like I mentioned on the first episode of this podcast, I want to celebrate my enjoyment of Star Wars with you, the listeners. And I want to celebrate your enjoyment as well. I am always open to discussions and disagreements, but the core purpose of this podcast and my fandom is to highlight those parts of Star Wars that give me, as Princess Leia stated in the end of Rogue One, hope. Now, let's get into the second part of my review of Solo, A Star Wars Story. As I mentioned in the first part of my review, I am working at getting some of my buddies together for a good roundtable chat about Solo, so stay tuned for that episode. But for now, here are some more thoughts I had regarding the movie. Let's start off with Tobias Beckett, played by Woody Harrelson. Now, I will admit that when I heard that Woody Harrelson was going to be playing the scoundrel who teaches Han the ropes of the smuggling game, I was a little unsure if he was the right guy for this role, and maybe it's just because I was such a fan of the TV show Cheers and I have a tough time separating his character Woody Boyd from the actor. But then I began to remember how I thought Michael Keaton was also miscast as Bruce Wayne in that 1989 version of Batman, and in the end I really dug his portrayal. Woody Harrelson like Michael Keaton can go dark when the role calls calls for it. I remember Keaton in Clean and Sober and Harrelson in Natural Born Killers, which were really dark movies. Now, I wouldn't call Tobias Beckett a dark role, but it's certainly measured up to the scoundrels we expect in the Star Wars universe. There's no doubt that Han is already a tough and scrappy kid when this movie opens, but Beckett is the guy who teaches Han how to think like a scoundrel. Beckett does have that scoundrel swagger and like any good scoundrel knows how to massage a situation in order to get the biggest payoff with the fewest losses. We clearly see from we, we clearly see this from the get-go when Han first encounters Beckett posing as an imperial officer during that battle on Mimban. Beckett denies Han's request to join his team and gives Han up to the Imperials after the threat of, after after the threat the threat being of being blackmailed. But after Han and Chewie work together to escape imprisonment, Beckett is there seeing that they have some skills that he can take advantage of. Offers them a place and it offers him a place on the offers them a place on his crew. Yeah, sure, he served up Han up to the Imperials, but it was strictly business, which is the same reason he takes Han for his crew. It sort of reminded me a little of that scene in The Godfather when Tom Hagen tells Sonny Corleone that the assassination attempt on Vito was just business and not personal. Beckett, above all else, is strictly business, and yes, he obviously loves his wife Val in this story, but even her death at her own hands, I think, he sees as one of the costs for doing business. He does impress upon Han the need to be one step ahead of the game and always have an ace up your sleeve if you get painted into a corner. I even think Beckett's portrayal of Han at the end of the movie is a clear lesson that Han takes with him through his smuggling days. And it seems Han quote-unquote graduates from Beckett's tutoring at the end of the movie when he shoots Beckett first. He knows that 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 was the only way it could end, and in some, I think in some way, Beckett respects Han for pulling the trigger. I enjoy the portrayal of the character in the movie, and I am hoping there might be an expanded universe story brewing for a novel or even a short story that gives more backstory to Beckett. Now, let's talk about Kira and Val. First off, I would like to, <laughs> to have seen more screen time with Val. 
I, I think she was offed a little too quickly, in my opinion. And although her sacrifice for her team and her husband, Beckett, does show that she is more than the scoundrel she... I think it shows that she's more than the scoundrel she's playing. It certainly did appear that she had no other card to play when the train heist was thwarted by Envy's Nest. But because I think there was more to Val than meets the eye, I would have liked to seen how her scoundrelness differed from Kira's personal demons. Kira now is a... I think she's a very unique character. If we were to compare her to Star Wars heroines such as Leia, Padme, Rey, and Jin, you can see how she stands out. Her character has many shades of gray and is not as clearly defined as previous female characters in the Star Wars franchise. She and Han, who are both orphans, seem to have spent much of their early childhood and teen years together on Corellia. I imagine that they were friends at first who discover a more romantic connection as they, drudge through th as they drudge through that miserable existence as slaves to a crime lord. Han and Kira nearly make it off Corellia, but have their plans blown up on them and are separated for three years. But Han vows to come back for her, and he does end up finding her later working closely with crime boss Dryden Voss. You can sense the tension between Han and Kira, and I was unsure throughout the story of Kira's real intentions. Lovesick Han is still in love with Kira even after all these years. He is ready to take her away with him, but Kira's feelings have changed. But she is very guarded and I think she sees herself moving up in Crimson Dawn. She never wants to find herself in such a horrendous situation enslaved and living in slums. I am wondering if this first solo movie is setting her up as the new crime boss in future films. Sort of like the way that we saw Senator Palpatine slowly but steadily move up the ranks until he was ruler of the galaxy. And I am fine with the way Kira's character is, as I said before, one that has many shades of grey. I think Han is still going to be on the lookout for her as it is always difficult to let someone go who has a hold on your heart for so many years. But I think the next time we see her, we are going to see a more hardened Kira, and I'm wondering if Han's next mission is going to be at odds with her plans. Um, on a totally separate train of thought, but still pretty interesting and amusing, I think. Um, did anyone else get a great 1970s vibe from the movie? Maybe it's because, as I have said in the past, that could be a real throwback, but obviously Daniel Glo Donald Glover's um, portrayal was giving me those Billy D. William vibes, especially with that cape and his closet of capes. Uh, very bold colors and had that loose and light feel that made me think of what it would be like to see Donald Glover's Lando's Lando character show up to uh, Studio 54 back in the day. Um, Kira and Val also gave me that same feeling and vibe as well, and maybe it was their hairstyles as well as the costuming and wardrobe too. But, uh, you know, Kira's wide collar jacket and Val's fur, co fur collar both just hit me as very retro. Not sure if that's how you saw it, but I just wanted to give it a mention. Now, Dryden Voss. Dryden Voss was portrayed by Paul Bettany, who most of us know as Tony Stark's computer butler Jarvis, and more recently as the Vision from the Marvel movies. He does play the role as a maniacal and evil crime boss as well. His face is scarred from what I imagine are results of his chosen profession and cost of dealing in a deadly underworld of gambling, slavery, and illegal smuggling. It was a little weird for me to see Bettany in this role so soon after seeing him as the Vision in the Avengers Infinity War. Now, it 
might just be because in my head I have typecast the character to his role in the Marvel movies. And I don't want to take away anything from his portrayal of Voss in, in Solo. He, he did a good job with it, and I was actually glad that they did show those moments where you can see him walking the line between sanity and somewhat of an outright monster. His small hand weapon, which looks like a blade being energized by some crystal, clearly shows that he prefers to take a more morbid and messy approach to dealing with someone who fails him rather than just using a blaster. But I think many of us were hoping that it was the famous Hut who played the gangster in this movie. Granted, by the end of the story, we do know that Han and Shui are off to Tatooine to meet up with uh, Jabba. And while it certainly is no verification that another solo movie is on the way, it would be outstanding to see a younger Han in his first encounter with Jabba the Hutt. Interestingly, Hasbro this year came out with that enormous Jabba's sail barge, and part of me thinks the higher-ups at Lucasfilm might be starting to plant the seeds for a return to Tatooine and Jabba, especially since the rumors is, is a Boba Fett and Obi-Wan movie are in the works. Now, speaking of Obi-Wan... I know I mentioned the story in a previous podcast about the Obi-Wan movie, and we all saw the big cameo appearance of Darth Maul at the end of Solo. Just to give it its due, wow! (laughs) I was not expecting his appearance at all, and like many in the audience that night, I was doing the math, so to speak, to see where this story matched up with with Rebels animated series. Now, regardless of timeline... Ray Park and Sam Witwer brought their talents together to give us a mall that is in charge of Crimson Dawn. And I can't believe that this is just a one-time cameo for Maul. If there is an Obi-Wan standalone movie, then I think we're going to be getting a story that somehow combines all of this knowledge we have from the movies and animated shows and builds it into another confrontation between Obi-Wan and Maul. I think the same can be said for a Boba Fett movie as well, especially if Maul is one is the one pulling the strings in the underworld. And I will I will say I did loud out a uh, big fanboy oh yeah when Maul ignited his red lightsaber. I think it was probably the only force illusion we got in the entire story. Now, just to give mention to the elephant in the room, yes, I am very aware that the movie is underperforming in the theaters. Uh, It is going against the Avengers, which is the big blockbuster for Marvel. But it would be hard to dismiss that the ill ill feelings for The Last Jedi seem to have influenced ticket buyers for Solo. Perhaps it was timing and this film would would have done better if it was released during the winter holiday season. But regardless, I had a great time at Solo and I am still looking forward to getting it on Blu-ray and picking up the novel later this fall. Which is why I am still working to get my buddies together for a good roundtable discussion about Solo. It's a, it's a good movie worthy of discussion. So be sure to keep an eye out for the third part of my review of Solo. So, as I mentioned in my previous podcast, I wanted to take a moment and chat about the Book of Sith from the Legends series. Previously, I'd given my review of the Jedi Vault Edition, the Jedi Path Vault Edition. Today, I want to go to go the other direction and discuss the Book of Sith Vault Edition. This was also authored by Daniel Wallace and is currently on Amazon for $59.99, and you can also just per- purchase the book itself for $16 on Amazon. The first thing you will notice if you purchase the Vault Edition is that the book is stored in a Sith holocran. Now. The pyramidal case is 11 inches by 11 inches and about 6 inches high. 
It's des it is designed with red Sith panels, and the motorized mechanism to open the holocron can be done by pressing the gold triangle on the panel. Now, just like the Jedi Path, this also has some pretty fun sound effects and lights that trigger to reveal the contents. Some of the Sith artifacts you immediately find are a red lightsaber crystal and a Night Sister talisman. Now, inside the book, you can find some pretty interesting things as well. You can find a scrap of a Sith burial shroud. <laughs> That's pretty creepy. A battle map from the Great Galactic War. A diagram detailing Palpatine's political strategies during the Clone Wars. A propaganda poster for the Galactic Empire. And even a note from Luke Skywalker. This book is actually a combination of different Sith texts that were pulled together to create a book of sinister design. Anyone who is a fan of the Expanded Universe and has read any of the Knights of the Old Republic stories with Darth Bane and Darth Mal Malgus will truly get a kick out of those texts. And we also get entries from Night Sister Mother Taslin and Darth Plagueis as well as Palpatine. This volume does a nice job of taking what we already know from the Expanded Universe stories and delving into the minds of each of these Sith Lords. Another added feature, which was also done in the Jedi Path, is comments inscribed throughout the book by those like Darth Vader, Asajj Ventress, Master Yoda, Mace Windu, Quinlan Voss, and Luke Skywalker. Luke even includes a note at the beginning indicating that he came into possession of this test te text after the fall of Palpatine. And when you're ready to close the Book of Sith, you can place it back on the platform it came out of, press that gold triangle, and watch it get sealed up again in the holocron. It's a fun collectible to have, even if you're not an Expanded Universe fan. Daniel Wallace is a great writer who does an amazing job getting into the heads of these characters and writing in-universe style. The illustrations in the book are also well done. Vault editions are also available for the Imperial Handbook, the Bounty Hunter Code, and the Rebel Files. Right now, you can get all of these vault editions for the retail price. These also make great gifts as well. I might even put another vault edition on my winter holiday list later on this year. Speaking of books, I also wanted to mention a book that was recently revealed on StarWars.com. Due out this October 30th, 2018, is Star Wars, Women of the Galaxy. What we will get from this book is 75 fascinating female characters from across films, fiction, comics, animation, and games. These highly detailed profiles are going to be written by author Amy Radcliffe and is illustrated by a plethora of some of the best women artists today. Some of the characters we know will be profiled are Leia, Rey, Ahsoka Tano, Aiden Versio, Jin, Jin, Jin Erso, Rose Tycho, and Maz Kanata. Now, as a, an Expanded Universe fan, I am hoping that we will see some names from the previous Expanded Universe or Legend series as well. I am wondering if we will see profiles of two of my favorite EU Jedi Knights, Mara Jade and Bastila Shan. This is looking like it's going to be an 8x10 book and run about 200 pages. I'm thinking it will be in a format of one side shows a nice high-resolution shot of the character and the profile appears on the other side. The author Amy Radcliffe is the managing editor of Nerdist and is a contributor to StarWars.com and has written for the Star Wars Insider as well. Uh, she's, she's been a host at Star, Wars, at Star Wars Celebration and co-hosts a podcast called Lattes with Leia. And uh, I think I'm going to check that out. 
This is going to be, I think, a great reference book you're going to want on your shelf. I am definitely getting this book. I am also going to add that I think it is great that we are seeing a book like this on the shelf. While I already gave my thoughts at the beginning of the podcast regarding the state of the franchise, I am thrilled. In another vein, I am thrilled to see a Star Wars book that highlights the female characters of the universe. And the art can be a good reflection of our times. And while we know that so many challenges still exist in our real world lives, it's good to see that our real world desire for equality among all people can be reflected a little bit in this book coming out this summer. One other story which caught my eye recently was the announcement of a new Star Wars video game to hit in December 2019. It's called Star Wars, or I should say Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, and it's going to be a single-player action-adventure title that tells a new story set shortly after the events of Star Wars Revenge of the Sith, otherwise known as Episode 3. I think this is great news. Now, this does not take away from the fun that a lot of Star Wars fans are having playing Battlefront 2, especially now that online content for Solo is being downloaded for the Battlefront 2 game. Uh, I can't speak firsthand about the Battlefront 2 game except from what I have seen on YouTube and other online videos. Um, I have owned other Battlefront versions from earlier gaming systems, and they continue to be fun to play even today. Uh, I think it's the pick-up-and-play aspect of the Battlefront series that gives us a chance to escape into the Star Wars universe for some, for some fast-paced battle action. The graphics are spot-on, the environments and characters look great, and the music and atmosphere in the game is what you want in a Star Wars game. But I am thinking that Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order is going to go back to that formula that made Star Wars games of the past a lot of fun to play. It's a single player game that will require online participation, I think. It's going back to an era of time that has not been looked at for a number of years. That time during the events of Episode 3. Now, this means there's a great chance that we're going to see Vader and the Emperor. And perhaps I am looking way too much into this, but just to let you know, Timothy Zahn's new Vader Thrawn novel called Alliances comes out this summer, which is set relatively close to this era as well. I'm just wondering if we are going to see more stories and the like back in this era in future publications. Probably not, but um, who knows? And I think this game is going to also give those the same vibes that I got when I was playing The Force Unleashed and The Force Unleashed 2. A good structured story within a video game that has lots of action and a lot of high impact Jedi Sith moves, as well as characters environments we know so well. I have not bought a new video game system in a really long time, so come December 2019 I might be looking for one if the reviews for this game start to generate some buzz. I will be following I will be posting, you know, updates on this as the story continues to unfold. And that pretty much wraps it up for another episode of the Parables of Dantooine podcast. Be sure to check out the Facebook page, blog, and listen to us on iTunes. In fact, it would be great to get some likes on Facebook and some reviews on iTunes as well. Spread the word about the Parables of Dantooine podcast so we can all so we so we can all keep up as Star Wars fans on all the news today. Have a wonderful start to your summer. I'd like to wish all those dads out there as well, too. A happy Father's Day. This is, uh, I am recording this on Father's Day, in fact. I had a wonderful Father's Day, and I hope all the fathers out there as well had a good Father's Day. So, be well, enjoy, and remember that we are going, we are going to try to get that 
nice roundtable discussion about Solo, a Star Wars story with my buddies. You want to stay tuned for that. And uh, I look forward to uh, talking to you more on the next episode of the Parables of Dantooine podcast. Have a wonderful day, everyone. Goodbye.